0: Hi Hunters, thank you for tuning in to the Flusham and Dustin podcast brought to you by Nick and Tyler, the boys from Ringnecks and Retrievers. In this podcast we will talk about guns, dogs, gear, and our successes and failures in the field through our combined 40 years of experience. We speak with hunters just like you from across the nation about their days in the field and the many memories they built with their friends and family. We are excited to have you listen, now let's get to Flushing and Dustin. Hey hunters, welcome back I'm to another Flushman Dustin podcast with yours truly, Nick and Tyler. Uh, first of all, this podcast is brought to you by Gundog Gundog Outdoors. Uh, go to their website, uh, type in Ringnecks for an extra ten percent. Um, in this podcast, we are going to get talking about this past season, how the dogs performed, um, some 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 uh, information around the Sweet Sixteen, uh, Gundog Outdoor gear. Uh, big snowstorm that hit Iowa. How that affected hunting. Um, you know anything else in between? So we'll get going. So Tyler, why don't you kick it off? Uh, we got the Sweet Sixteens. Yep. And um, you know we've really been looking at this gun for a while um, in particular. And I think maybe I talked you into it a little bit. Um, your thoughts?
1: Uh, after seeing the Browning Shot Show, I kind of wish I would have waited till this season to uh to actually buy it just because they just came out that maple one that looks pretty badass Uh, if you guys haven't seen that go check out browning um god those guns are freaking awesome but other than the looks of the gun being sweet the performance of it you know they always said the the 16 gauge has the power of the 12 but the lightness of the 20 and Man, I couldn't agree. I can't agree more with that. Um, Super impressed with the gun. Very light in the field. I mean, it felt like I could carry it all day. Uh, Shouldered, really nice. Um, The only thing that you have, Nick, that I don't have that I still need to get put on is a sling. Um, I did miss having the sling. So the A5 does not come with um, attachments to attach a sling. You have to actually go. To like a gunsmith, or if you're good enough, Um I didn't want to put any marks in the wood, you know, you can put the attachment on yourself. Um So that part I missed, it kind of makes, it makes it difficult when, you know, you get a bird to hold on to the gun, if you're by yourself and put the bird in, in your oh, that
0: I think. think safety reasons you know you're crossing a creek i mean numerous times i put it across me like a a big you know like like you would sling a backpack sometimes or what have you or a a big duffel bag across that creek easy where you know sometimes you could fall you know if you're holding your hand and get something in the end of the barrel or you know somebody's ahead of you and you're trying to carry that going up a hill it might be pointing right at them so just just some of those things is why i like the sling um a lot of people probably wouldn't put it on because it just, it kind of takes away from the gun. But for me, for all the safety reasons and making it more economical for me in the field, uh, that's why
1: I put it on. Yeah. And I'm going to put it on this off season. Um, I just never got around to it during the season one. Cause I didn't know how long it was actually going to take the gunsmith to do it. You know, he said he could have it done within the week, but I wanted to make sure. So I, I'm going to get it done too. And like you said, safety reasons are nice and just, it's so much easier to carry, you know, yep. when you, you get walking, like if you're walking through a cornfield to get to a field, you can sling it over your back. Or if you're standing there talking at the end of a field, you can just sling it up. You're not always just constantly carrying it. So that part's nice. The, the gun literally weighs like five and a half. Yeah, it's like super seriously. light. And it's it, super light. And I, you know, I, so I switched to a full choke with it. Um, and I think I shot it better with the full choke than I did with the modified choke in. Um, that's just me. I, you know, I, we were both using the same shell. So we both uh, switched to the boss shot shells this year. Um, and Nick, I think you left the modified in there.
0: Yeah. You know, I always feel like, um, I shoot pretty well uh and that's not just a bragging point i've always shot pretty well and i always in all my guns uh 12 20 i've always had modified in there yep. and um, it doesn't seem to, you know, I, I seem to knock birds down even at a close range or at a far range. Um, it doesn't really seem to deter me at all, so I, I just stick with works. Uh, now, I know you, you know, early season sometimes you might, uh, you know, put in modified or improved cylinder, then move back to uh, the full late season. Um, and, and I understand those reasons, too, just because of the pattern of the gun and things. But for me, um, I, just, I just keep it one. Um, and I've always done that. And I've always had luck so
1: yeah and I mean I think it goes by shooter you know some are more comfortable with the modified some are more comfortable with the full you know I think it you just got to kind of play around with it and you know I was using the modified I was like you know what let's put in the full choke with it just see if there's a difference and I I was hitting birds way better than I was um, at the beginning of the year and one thing that so with the 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 boss shot shells and Nick I think you can back on this too is one of their things that well two things that sold me on the boss shot shells. One, they're non-toxic. You know, we switched to that this year we want conservation. You know, it's just like why risk going to a field when it's says it can only be non-toxic shot? Why you not know, just and, use it
0: and, everywhere? And to interrupt you a little bit there, you know. I've seen some posts on online galleries and what have you you know and and people are still shooting lead um, and you know I guess the way that Tyler and I look at the whole lead thing is you know if a small creature eats that piece of lead and it kills them and then you know a coyote eats that and then that coyote dies and something eats that coyote that that could potentially be spread to all animals. Um, so from a conservation standpoint, we're trying to do better as hunters yep. um, and, and also make our listeners more aware, like, hey, this is actually a problem that was out there. So if we can't shoot non-tox, I'll just go get a cheap box of steel. So don't think you got to buy, you know, non-tox shot that's $30 for 25 but, for twenty-five shells. Yep. You can get a nice uh, Winchester Super X steel shot for, you know, 11 bucks. Um, and I think... I think, in the grand scheme of things, I don't. I don't even know why they should have even let it around anymore. I
1: know. Uh, just, I've thought about just, that too. Just to me, it doesn't really make sense. You know. No. Like, yeah, twenty miles away, or not even twenty miles, five miles away, you have a non-tox field, or you have a non-tox field next to a field that can shoot non-tox. You know. Yep. I, I don't get it. But the the other thing with the ball shot shells is, you know, they they harp on, you know, crippling birds. You don't have running birds. And I was thinking back to this yesterday, you know, kind of preparing for this podcast. And I was trying to think of a bird that when we had the boss shot shells in, that we hit, that when it landed, it ran. And I, when we had the boss shot shells in, I cannot think of one time that I had, that I know that I shot and hit a bird where it ran. It might have sat there and flopped around a little bit, but yeah. there was not a single bird that the dogs had to track after being shot because it was crippled. Yep. Um, I know out in South Dakota, let's see you used your I use my 12 gauge 12 gauge um not boss ammo uh, yep. I,
0: I have um I have a ton of 12 gauge shells uh and honestly last year um shot my 20 out there this year I started with my 16 all the way through season in Iowa love my 16 is actually uh that and my max are my two favorite guns but I got out there and I thought well I haven't shot my Maxis in some years now so I'm just gonna use it on the South Dakota trip which I did uh but there was a couple birds I hit that uh, you know, they were moving. They were moving. And I was using three inch too with my twelve gauge. Yep. Uh three inch steel shot is what I had in. Um I think it was Kent fast steel is what I was actually shooting. Okay. So yeah. Good shells seem to perform well, but I will say that, you know, the boss ammo cycles well we never had a jam shell in nope. in either of our guns um you know when you go to clean the gun it seems it, i didn't feel like there's much residue um you know and i think that impacts the shot and it and it keeps so much more energy in the muzzle coming out the end of the barrel um therefore you know i think that's what what makes that shell so 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 good and so clean and yeah um you know it is kind of expensive and we are by no means sponsored by them or anything it's just something mm-hmm. that we like so check them out they are a little pricey but it's yeah. definitely well worth a box or two even just for season uh you know i wouldn't waste them on clay birds or shooting pigeons no, or anything not. like that but you know you're going after you know uh some quail grouse uh you know something like that pheasant uh I mean, I would definitely pick up a box and try it out.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, too. And, you know, another cool thing about theirs is if you look at, like, the feet per second and whatnot through the different gauges, 20, 12, 16, the feet per second are all the same. Yes, so,
0: I actually didn't know that. So, good you know, catch.
1: Yeah, so, like, it doesn't matter what you're shooting. You know, if you have a four shot to a seven shot. Yeah, where
0: and then they, they also tell the you... Yeah, they also tell you how many BBs or are in each yep. shell, which is super nice because yeah. you know sometimes you can shake them shells and you're like, well, this one seems like it's loose, or you can shake another one and be like, well, I can't hear anything, so you don't know how tight it's packed or how how not tight it's packed or how many BBs is in it. Each each shell has, I believe, the 16 gauge is 196 BBs uh, for yep. the five shot. I think is what That's, it was.
1: What five or six left? Five or six less than what the three inch five shot for a 20 gauge was. I guess like three less BBs is what I think I remember seeing maybe six or something like that, but pretty similar. Um, yeah, their shells, man, they performed awesome. Birds were just, dude, they were, they're down. Just, I mean, it was, they'd fall out of the sky pretty quick. Um, it was awesome. Browning sweet 16. I, man, it's going to be hard to ever shoot another gun in the field.
0: Yeah. That, that gun, I guess I never really talked about my experience with it, but, uh, um I don't really know that I maybe missed a bird this year with it. I think. I don't really know that I had any trouble like honing in like I did with the twenty gauge when we got it. Um I don't know I mean it, it just fit right away. So comfortable, so light. Has double bead on it. If you like the double bead, one halfway down the barrel, one at the end yes, of the barrel. That, about the one that. At the, the one at the end of the barrel is um is it like a red red bead, I guess you you know a lot of guys use that for turkey hunting. Um no, super 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 nice gun. Um I think you get about $1600 is uh, is the going price on it. Uh but well worth the money. Uh it's going to be in my gun safe for probably a lifetime. I'm going to keep yeah. that gun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty badass. Um you know, and we had a we had an interesting season, right? You know, at the beginning of the season we it was pretty warm and it, it stayed warm here for a good amount of the season. I mean, we're well into December, I feel like, and it was still forties out, you know, during the day. Um but then we had that freaking big snowstorm for like the last, what, three weeks of the season?
0: Yeah, I mean, we just had a snowstorm blizzard this past week. Um, and then I would say right after Christmas, right around Christmas, we had another, yeah. right before Christmas, it was the Tuesday before Christmas, we had another um, big snowstorm blizzard and really ended the season pretty hard um didn't go i would say that i would say the whole season didn't probably go like as we planned you know the first the first and we've already covered this in recent podcast but that first um time out uh we got a couple birds um had a couple more days where we only got a couple more birds had one day with uh your buddy knobs where we got uh basically almost a limit nine um We had a couple more rough days where we didn't get a whole lot. Uh, we went with Matt. We got what five birds I think it was up there. Um then we went to South Dakota, had a rough day, had a really good day, another rough day. Um so this year didn't really I would say didn't really come into fruition, but I think that's what keeps us coming back as hunters. Um, you know, you see all these guys out there bagging tons and tons of birds and sometimes you wonder if that's true or not because it's like son of a bitch, they you know <laughs> they, every time they post something, they got, they got limit. their limit. Um, yeah. you know, and, and me and you being just true hunters, um, hunting public grounds, you know, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen every time because people no. are pressuring those spots, yep. you know? Um, so you know, we even hunted private, um, we've had a lot of private ground that we hunted this year as well. And we've had luck on a few birds, but everybody, every bird was so jumpy. Um, You know and and these are spots that aren't hunted often if once or twice um a year so
1: it 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 was a difficult year for us it was yeah and you know back to the the private ground like you said a couple spots you hunted you know the guys that own the fields actually count the number of birds that come off And when that number is taken off, they don't allow any more hunters. So, I mean, these birds aren't getting pressured, you know, every weekend, you know, every Saturday, Sunday. And the last weekend we went, I mean, we were uh, 200 yards away and uh, 80 birds flying up just continuously, birds flushing. And we're not even anywhere close to them, you know. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, the the last day of this, or the last hunting day of the season for me. I don't know. I can't remember if you went out on that Sunday or not, but it was just this Saturday the 9th. Um, God, we're going through this field and uh, we're, like you said, 200 yards away and we see birds just getting up everywhere and we're like what the hell? We haven't even, you know, we're not even close. Yeah. Like they could, There's no way they could have hurt us. The dogs weren't even like over by them. Well, then after hunting this whole area and getting down through, we end up shooting a coyote. So I think um you know I don't know but we think we scared that coyote up that coyote ran scared all those birds up and made them really jumpy right away um so therefore we didn't have we didn't have any luck in that field we never even got a bird did we, we no didn't. you got one. Oh yeah I did get one bird on the on
1: the way back to the truck yeah that's right I did you get know. one um but yeah, that and that field was a bus and I mean it's kind of a bummer you know but you you look at the field and you think, OK, what could have we have done different? You know, and I think that's a, one thing that, you know, as, as hunters and as you know, you guys are listening, what we've realized is a lot of times people just continually they go back to the same field, they walk the fields the exact same way, you know, and eventually you're going to have this similar results if you do the same thing over and over, you know, you're just going to not get birds. Uh, the birds are going to learn how you're walking. So that's something you need to think of is, you know, after you get done with the field, you know, the birds flew out this way. Okay. What could have we have done different, you know, next time that we come here, you know, something. So there's always learning opportunities throughout the season.
0: You know, and I'll say this, you know, Tyler and I have hunted together for several years. Um, but I think this year uh, was starting the podcast and and in ringnecks and retrievers, we really have taken a second look at everything that we're doing um, and really try to find new ways to be successful. Um, Some of them haven't worked out. Um, Some of them have been great. So it's just a matter of trial and error. You know, I think some things that we do is, you know, try to, and and a lot of the viewers have probably read this in a magazine because I, I know we've read it in pheasants forever, Um, but enter a field at a different, access point or park on the road on the backside. you know we did that in almost every field we went to or we tried to create a pinch point where one a couple guys were walking one way and a couple guys were walking the other way and you try to sandwich the birds uh so that way you can get them so i just i think trying new things if you're not successful um is a good thing but you know uh it can also not work yeah
1: so Yep. And I think too, you know, you gotta you gotta look at the field. And like for example, when we were at Knobs's place, we hunted uh a big square and when we kicked up what, I don't know, there's like five roosters that got up and that yep. right at the end of the square there was a, a thicket of trees that then led into a, a waterway. And now Nick was just talking a pinch point. Is the way we walked it, we literally came from one end of the square and brought it right up to these trees and you're at the end of the field. Um, the only way they have to go is if they run the waterway or if they flush and lo and behold, they all flushed. Uh, I think yep. we, what, knocked down three or four out of that yep, group? We did. Yeah, but the one he...
0: took off, took off run up that slough. 200 oh, yards or whatever it was
1: that was awesome uh, did we ever do co- i think we talked about that yeah yeah
0: because no. it was it was that was a good that was a good hunt
1: yeah that was fun um but you know yeah look at a field you know when you show up especially public ground look at it and just think okay what's what are most people doing what looks easy you know and then tell yourself okay i'm gonna walk this different and maybe do it a little bit harder um and you're probably gonna see more birds but yeah, you know, and and
0: always, always try to go the extra distance. I think that's one thing uh, that we've tried to do is make sure that we're always going that extra distance. So what I mean by that is, you know, some people might walk the easy route, walk kind of maybe this loop and You might not be seeing anything, but there might be a back 40 of this field. Uh, like you go to South Dakota, shit just goes on forever out there. So you can walk and walk and walk and it connects and there's, you know, 500 acre plots of grass that you could just hop on and just keep walking. We always just try to get to the back side of the fields. Um, and usually we have luck. We see birds and we get back farther. You could walk for an hour and not see anything. And then all of a sudden, bam, there they are. You just put in an hour walking in grass. Yep. dogs aren't really birdy. You now all of a sudden the dogs are getting birdy flush after flush, after flush, after
1: flush, Yep. And that's, that's when it's cool when it, it, you reward yourself for putting in, you know, the extra mile, uh, which is always nice. And this year, speaking of kind of the extra mile, our dogs, our dogs worked a lot. We hunted them hard. Um, It it would be cool. Maybe someday I'll get a GPS for them and, you know, just see how many miles they actually put on. Uh, Because I know, I agree, we walk, we walk pretty good distance and I do think it'd be kind of cool to, to track that and just, you know, be like, holy crap, these dogs are working their tail off. But this year we faced our kind of our really our first injuries that the dogs ever had. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean for Diesel, yeah, I mean he's hunted six straight years. Uh so the first five we've had no problems, no injuries. Um, he's been able to go every year hard. Um and this year it kept ripping that fricking toenail off. <laughs> even, even the last hunt, hunt of the year, I thought he was completely healed because I didn't hunt him for a long time for a couple weeks and he was bleeding again. He you was know? limping around in that back leg. He, he ripped it open again. So he needs, he needs a good month to two months off, probably with none of this crusty snow. And then I'll start training again.
1: Yeah. And you know, what'd you, so you used uh Musher's secret. Is that what it was?
0: Yeah. So I probably used it a little too late. Um, I had it before going out to South Dakota and I never put it on. Of course, uh, when we get out there, you're excited. You're seeing birds. You get the dog out of the truck. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. But I think with running through all those cattails, um, and in, you know, that heavy, thick cover, that mushroom secret would really help deter. Like I, Think of it as like a boxer putting Vaseline on their face or whatever the cream is. Maybe it's Mustard Secret. Hell, I don't know. But they put that on. (laughs) They they put that on, and that glove slides. Right? It doesn't. It doesn't stick to their face. So same concept with Mustard Secret. And I put it on the last day with Diesel, and he seemed to be doing really well. But I think I needed to add it probably a time or two more. I put on really (laughs) thick once, but I didn't put it on after that. Yep. Um, I'm still kind of getting familiar with it, but I do think it works. Yeah. Like, cause when I had it on, he was flying through the snow, like nobody's business. And then, uh, I don't know about after an hour and a half or so, two hours, then he was oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Starting to hurt again. And yep. this was the first year, you know, both. and So we both decided before the year started, we're like, Hey, you know what? We need to get, we hope we never have to use it, but we do need to get a first aid kit for the dogs. Um, you know, we talked about it and and I always, you know, you get worried, like they get around a barbed wire fence, they get a cut or they get caught in the barbed wire fence and you got a, you know, a wire cutter to cut them out. And I was like, you know what, let's get a first aid kit. And lo and behold, Gundog Outdoors has their first aid kit is, I honestly don't know what else you need.
0: It's so legit. I mean. Um, antibiotic equipment, they got a scissors in there, they got wraps in there, they got gauze in there. Uh they got a tampon in there, which some would be like, tampon? Well, you know, if you get a cut in a dog and it's a hole, yep. it's a deep one. Hey, soaks up in. blood, yep, shove shove it in, works very well. Um, I know they're coming out with a new one with uh a bigger tweezers, I think. Yeah, and some um, st- staple a
1: yep. stapler. Um yep. is, I don't know if that's gonna be included in the actual kit or if it's a side thing you can buy. Um but that would be good, you know, if they get caught on a barbed wire fence and get something where you can put some staples in quick, you know, at least get them back to the truck to be stapled up. Yep. Um, huge. And, you know, I'm glad that we had the first aid kit. Um, you know, Murph had that stick get it caught, stuck right in above his eye. Um, we we're out in the field and I, I tried pulling it out with my hand. I just couldn't get a good grip on it. And it, you know, it wasn't a serious injury, but, the kit had a tweezers in it. I was able to hold on to it nice and firm with the tweezers and give it a nice tug, and you know it comes right out. Yeah, you know
0: I think it this year gave a new meaning for us to make sure that we always have a first aid kit. Yeah, um, you know a lot of that stuff we could use for ourselves too if we oh yeah <laughs> end up hurting ourselves. Um, but I think I think it's imperative to have that first aid kit, and um, I'll take it with me wherever I go now.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think this year, too, with starting Ringnecks and Retrievers, doing the Flushman Dustin podcast, you know, yeah, we have years of experience hunting, right, yep. that we've brought to the field, but we have also learned from our guests, from people that we've met on social media, a lot about the outdoors and a lot about dog care. And just in general, you know, things we can do a little bit better and things that, you know, we, hopefully that have been brought to you guys too, through the podcast and our social media.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that's what, that's why we started this one. Uh, we aren't, I would not say that we're experts. I would say that we are avid hunters. Yep. We have a lot of experience, um, hunting pheasants, hunting upland birds, um, uh, I have a lot of experience with having this. Diesel is my third lab. I think you're just getting your real first experience with Mirth and Lola, but um, you're training them by yourself. I did not do that with Diesel, but i are st- still bringing information. Um, that's really what Ringnecks and Retrievers is all about. Um, we want to create uh, a platform where we can be open, honest, um, and tell you guys if we like something or if we fucking don't like it. Yeah. And
1: I'm going to do that's that. That's how it is. Yeah. I mean, we want to do that. If we don't like a product, we're not going to, you know, and someone asks us about it, we'll be straight up, you know, and I think that's one thing that we're true about. And
0: it's not going to change.
1: No. Uh, you know,
0: like I think I bought a new truck this year and they put them shit ass town tires on it. I wish <laughs> they put better fucking tires on it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, that's why would they even put that on a truck? <laughs> I Speaking don't enough. know. It's a truck. Like, I know. I get it. We drive highways, but we're in freaking Iowa. Yeah right? Yep. I mean, the weather's shitty, right? You're going to have ice. You're going to have snow, put some fucking tires on it. that are going to do some work.
0: I know. So this year I'm going to have to put tires on it now. <sighs> My God.
1: But that's you know cheaper tires, I guess. Yep. Cheaper makes the truck a little less expensive when you buy it. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I
0: think it was expensive enough. They
1: could have put the good tires. Yeah. On it. But yeah, I mean, overall I'm, I'm pretty pleased with this season.
0: I'm um, too, you know, I, you know, we didn't do an initial count of how many birds we shot, which damn anyhow, uh, yep. is something we should do this, this year, Just 2021, yep. we will do that this hunting season. Um, if I had a guess, uh, we probably shot 50 ish birds, I would say 60 birds somewhere around there, which isn't really, isn't, uh, that much for as much as we were out in the field. Um,
1: I, I missed know, probably got, a good 15, <laughs> i'm not joking i probably did i know you're not joking so, <laughs> so it's funny <laughs>
0: um you know so looking at that that's kind of disappointing for as hard as the dogs work and, and the amount of time you put in the dogs but hey you know so much so much you can do um don't beat yourself up if it wasn't your season this year it wasn't our season either we've definitely um not not obviously 2021 season but 2019 which isn't recorded at all we uh we had a much better year. I mean, yeah. the last day of the season, we limited out, uh, shot some quail. Uh, we yep. had a hell of a season in 2019. So, ebb and flow. But other than that, I mean, I, I can't complain. It's, no. it's better than sitting at work. Um, and I love my job, too. So, that says something.
1: Yep. And we did see our first Hungarian partridge in Iowa. That's one. we alive. got him, too. Yep. We shot it, too. Yep so that was you know there's there's a lot of pluses from this season um you know the hungarian partridge growing ring and retrievers meeting yep all tons tons of listeners tons of people um you know and i think we've learned just we just learned a lot and we're excited for you know this coming season
0: in the brand that i think that we're trying to create tyler it's an actual it's an actual brand it means something people that have retrievers or goldens or labs they love their dogs yep they they want to see action of those dogs they want to see training videos of those dogs they want to see those dogs all you see online is oh this fucking dog <laughs> is great doing everything they want to see failures and we're able to show that yep. um, And we're going to keep showing you guys that when our dogs aren't perfect our dogs yep. are great yeah i mean i love my dog i wouldn't get rid of him for anything but He's got his
1: flaws. Yeah. I mean, you put, you know, my dog's up against a dog with a master title. You know, they're not going to compete with that. I mean, and you don't even know that, though. That dog could have a bad The
0: Dogs compete it. And who's to say that dog's even a good hunter? That dog might just be strictly robotic on its moves it all depends you know there's so many things that go into that dog could strictly be a trial dog and never hunted a day in its life which means is he going to be a good hunter could be um probably you know i would i would argue to say that if he's a trial dog he would probably be a much better duck hunter and marker than he would be at finding um, you know pheasants or wild bird but you know that's that's a whole different story but it's real life
1: That's what we're going to keep it as. Yep. And, uh, you know, speaking of, you're talking about training and failures. So, this after the snow melts and the weather gets back to decent weather, uh, we're going to meet up at least once a month. Uh, Probably not more than that. Maybe. Maybe we'll meet up more than that. I don't know. Uh, But for sure, once a month. Once a month, for sure. We're going to uh, try to record a full training session. So, we're going to you know, I have quail on the way, training quail on the way. Um, So we're going to try to do a session of getting the dogs, you know, work on one by one, uh, get them out on quail. We're going to do some, you know, marking um, with, you know, we got a, what the hell is it even called? Zinger winger, the zinger winger. Yep.
0: And then i also have you know the hand launchers so somebody can launch that you know beside us that can go and then your dog's always supposed to get the second bird first so yep. then you can let the zinger winger go to throw them off and see that zinger winger out there go get that one so yep. we're doing some doubles um you know we're gonna get the we're, we're, this season's all about uh our listeners and it's all about getting our dogs better at the same time but also showing you that hey if uh, when diesel fails we'll put it out there. I'll show you. Yep. He, he's a great dog, great dog, great hunter, but uh, he's not perfect.
1: Yep, You know, and we're going to bring you guys have <clears throat> Matt's been on uh, a few of our podcasts. You guys have met him. Um, he's going to bring his dog Hawkeye who we've hunted with. You know, he's had some, some issues with him this year. Nothing, nothing bad, just a young dog, you know, wanting to chew on birds and that, that happens. Uh, so on those training sessions, we're going to try to bring some of that to it uh just to show some different drills and whatnot uh that we're running so we're hoping to you know we're not we're not professional dog trainers right but we know enough to be dangerous and we know enough to make our dogs good in the field and i think there's a lot of people out there that that's what they need they don't need just like us they don't need the top the thing that i've seen and you touched on it before nick is all you see is the finished, awesome dog. Everybody just wants to see the dog, three hundred yard blind retrieve, bring it back to hand, perfectly, flawless. Do you think that dog's been like that the whole time? No, but nobody's going to show that. Nobody, nobody wants to show their dog. I
0: i've seen shit this year on social media platforms i got a fucking eight month old dog delivering the hand fucking steady, steady the to shot yeah. no bullshit bull fucking shit that dog would have to be trained i don't care if it's steady to shot it's probably scared of the gun
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> it doesn't know what the hell happened yeah i just i don't i don't believe that yes there are great dogs out there but dogs take a lot of work yeah a lot of work i can't tell you um how much work i put into diesel yes he was trained but the reinforcement that i did before i had kids and everything was every day every day every day morning and night twice a night twice a day is what i was doing um and i tyler you're starting from scratch you know diesel had this stuff kind of learned and i had to keep reinforcing and um it is not easy you'll get those little gains and uh it's it's worth and you go out the next
1: you go out the next week and you are like god damn did we even do we even train last week you know um yeah we're excited for that that's that's gonna be fun it's it's something to keep us in the off season um obviously we're gonna get a bunch of trap shooting in i need that the most um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dog, you know, dogs are
0: fine you just don't even need to train them anymore you're just gotta start going to yeah. shoot trap <laughs>
1: so um yeah i think you know, we'll, another
0: thing another thing that i want to just jump in here and bring up too is you know you, you read and you know, i know we're kind of on the social media platform and all this stuff but you know hot spotting and then you also got some um, you know hunters that i i just don't feel like um um hunter ethics are are in anymore and you know what? We started this podcast to help you guys. If we find a good spot, you know, obviously we're not going to give up any of our private land spots. But if I have a good fucking public land spot, you guys are more than welcome to go hunt I don't give a shit. That's what it's for. It's public land. Second of all, yeah, we all own it. Um, yeah. Second of all, uh, uh, being a hunter and having some etiquette, um, means a lot, especially to me. Uh, I, you know, a couple times I hunted this year, and hunted. 50 acre field which diesel and i could walk in a couple hours uh, i had hunters come in and hunt it now yes it is public ground you have every right to be there just as much as i do but i was clear there first my vehicle is there you could see me in the field because there's open field and you still come in the field i would just encourage you guys like if that happens let a hunter have it unless you're going to be bow hunting or something out there you know something completely different you know, you know, just have some hunter etiquette, unless it's like a 350 acre field or 500 acre field, there's no way that guy's going to cover it, but a smaller field, just have, just have some pride, move on, like let, let them have it. They're there first. That's yeah. my advice. That's what yeah, I would I to-
1: do. I totally agree. Um, like you said, hunter etiquette and just be a good person, you know, pick your shit up in the parking lot. Don't leave yeah. trash everywhere. Just be respectful. You know
0: yeah just yeah sorry you know all these online things fuel us and we see them um, we don't comment on anything we're pretty neutral to you know what everybody thinks but those are a few things that i think can be straightened out and you know yeah i feel like if you want to help a buddy out and give him a spot or you got a place to go what the fuck's harming that if it's yeah if it's a pub- public place to hunt that's yep. all i say
1: exactly so but hey we're on to 21. Oh, Jesus, I can't even talk now. We're on the 2021 season. Uh, we are
0: 2021. We got training coming this summer. Super excited. Sorry for cutting you off, Tyler. We also course. have some big news possibly coming out of gundog uh, outdoors, um, which we're super excited about. We're not going to give you any hits, but it could be a classic. Yes. Uh, um, And um, the season we've already started planning South Dakota. 2021 we got places locked down uh not like we didn't buy them yet or rent them but we got uh, areas locked in that we're looking into uh getting out to and hopefully um you know we ended up making some private land connections we we're out there last year we got those guys uh back so we'll be on their land again and we're hoping for a much much better 2021 in south dakota than we had actually the last couple of years
1: yeah for sure um so again we appreciate all you guys listening to the Fleshman Dustin podcast. It's our first season. Um, moving on to our second season of the Ringnecks and Retrievers and the Flushman Dustin podcast. We appreciate everyone's support thus yes. far. And it's only going to get better.
0: And hey, if there's anything you guys want to hear about, um, we'll give it our best shot and we'll try to bring the best information we can. Let us know. Write us right. retrievers at gmail.com, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Have a good Flushman dust
0: Later. Right. See ya.